Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. Began my second term as governor of the great state of Illinois, and today we made history, becoming the ninth state to institute an assault weapons ban and one of the strongest assault weapons bans in the nation. You know, every state says they're the great state of blank. Um, I lived in Illinois for a long time, uh, since I was nine years old until we got to do the quick math. The uh, thirty. Three, I think if I do that real quick, like maybe, yeah, till 2005, 34, uh, 33, but then turn it. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, I lived in Illinois for a long time, and uh, I will say the once great <laughs> once because it's um, it was not good when I left and it has not gotten better since. And uh, this is J.B. Pritzker, uh, who amazingly got reelected. I, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but um, you, you can only have the rule is you're only a great state as long as no more than one of your former governors is in jail at the same time. And Illinois has long since blown way past that. <laughs> so I think at one time, half, half of our living former governors were in jail at the same time. Um, and that's wow. not even counting, like, uh, not George Stephanopoulos, uh, because he looks like him, but um, who was the uh, the governor, Governor Hare, who was involved in the scandal for trying to sell the uh, the Obama Senate seat? The, 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 oh, I remember the that. Yeah. I'll, I'll think of his name in a minute because it's just one of those weird names that I can see him clear as a bell, but I just can't think of his name right now. Anyway, um, yeah, and not that, you know, not even counting him. <laughs> so anyway, um, so Jamie Pritzker yesterday touting signing the weapons ban for so-called assault weapons, what other people like to call sporting rifles, because um, the way I've always thought about this and, uh, you know, my friends in the military, I think will back me up on this is if you are going to assault a military target do you want to take a a gun that shoots one time every time you pull the trigger like say they had access to in you know 1880 <laughs> or would you rather have a gun that you hold the trigger down and it continues firing until you run out of ammunition what's called an automatic weapon and the answer is b please and so an assault weapon is not something that you have to pull the trigger every time. An assault weapon is something that will lay down a field of fire at a high rate of speed, or just a high speed because high rate of speed is repetitive. The point is, um, what are getting banned are not assault weapons, even though that's come to be the common term. Sporting rifles is a much better term because it's a good distinction. But, okay, fine. So they're signing a ban about that, and it's in place. Illinois now officially prohibits the sale and distribution of these mass-killing machines and rapid-fire devices. I'm signing this legislation tonight so that it can take immediate effect and we can end the sale of these weapons of war as soon as possible. Also, weapons of war is another phrase you hear. And again, I'd just like to ask any of our you know, local listeners who were in the Marines or the Army, let's say, would you want to go to war with a single shot per, per, pull, per uh, trigger pull AR-15? And their answer is going to be, Oh hell no. <laughs> you know, that is not a weapon of war. That is a weapon that is a weapon that looks like a weapon of war. 
And that's sort of the issue is, you know, they're scary looking. Uh, other people would say cool looking. But the point is they're, they're not weapons of war, but they keep using these phrases. Anyway, so yeah, he signed it into effect. And uh, these weapons are so terrible, so awful, so absolutely unable uh, to be trusted into the hands of the average American non-law-breaking citizen under the Second Amendment that um, we have to get rid of every single last one of them from everywhere within the state of Illinois. This law does not ask current lawful owners of these assault weapons to give up their lawfully acquired guns. Oh, wait. But it does require an accounting for the weapons currently in circulation, so we know who is responsible for them if they fall into the wrong hands. So, on the one hand, these weapons are so horrible, terrible, awful, evil, and incapable of being used for lawful, decent, or patriotic purposes that we have to completely ban them. On the other hand, they're only dangerous enough that people who already have them will be allowed to keep them as long as they just tell us. Well, which is it? No, no, seriously. Which is it? Is it so dangerous that they have to be banned? Or is it only dangerous enough that they need to be registered? Because that's what he's done, right? They've created a ban of new and a registry of existing. Well, if it's only dangerous enough that it has to be registered... Why can't we have, and I'm not advocating for this, I'm just trying to apply logic for the situation. If these are your choices, then wouldn't a registration scheme be adequate? Because if a registration scheme is adequate for existing so-called assault weapons or sporting rifles, then why wouldn't a registration scheme be adequate for public safety for future sales of such? And if a registration scheme alone is not adequate, then why are you allowing current owners to hold them? Because you know good and well (laughs) that you can't actually go in and take them from people because you would have a civil war in your hands. Just like you've had now the um, the sheriff in, I think it was Kankakee, uh, had said, uh, Kankakee County Sheriff, uh, which is one of, you know, one of the counties in Illinois, has said that, uh, yeah, he's not going to enforce this, which I think he's not the only one. Okay, so that's where we stand. By the way, um, it also doesn't solve for the most common form of gun used in attacks, which is not the big, ugly black rifles, but is handguns. While the AR style rifles used in mass shootings like Highland Park have garnered much of the press coverage and infamy, too many mass shootings are committed using handguns altered by uh, something known as a switch to convert a pistol into an automatic weapon. And by the way, that's that's a real thing. That's a relatively new thing to some degree, the simplicity with which you can modify these. You know, there's been a story out of Mobile. We haven't really had the problem here in the panhandle as much where they've been seizing these guns. But that's essentially turning something like a Glock 19 into a, an automatic Glock so that it continues to fire when you hold down the trigger. But even there, he's misleading the audience because though those have been seized and though those have been used in assaults there that's not the the most commonly used weapon in a mass shooting is a handgun by far but you know it's just not as sexy and exciting to put a picture of a handgun up on a screen and tell people how dangerous the gun that everybody owns in their home is really the one that's a problem but okay 
So they've they've done this. They've banned uh, high capacity magazines or what are called high capacity magazines, which, you know, in reality, those are the kinds that you would want. Um, Long. It's kind of weird, by the way. Long guns, rifles uh, limited to 10 rounds per magazine and handguns can't have more than 15, which, again, that's an effort to keep most of the guns that um, might be available that have the expanded magazine, the side by side magazine. Uh, I mean, my, you know. The Glock that I first bought, a Glock 19 that I bought in Illinois, was a former police gun that I got post-ban after the Brady Bill had expired. And um, it was, uh, you know, just uh, allowed to be had because it had the, you know, side-by-side, a larger clip, which is what you want. A magazine, I know. My, my son would always get on me. He says, it's not a clip, Dad. That's old style with the... Okay, fine. <laughs> I agree with you. You're right. So there's a big old list of bad guns, and they've banned them. So there you go. Uh, but I wouldn't, and by the way, this doesn't change, there's universal background checks, um, doesn't change the age range for the firearm owner's ID card or FOID card as the residents in Illinois call it. Uh, something else that makes Illinois relatively unique. They're the ninth state to have a, um, so-called assault weapons ban, but, uh, they're one of the few states that has a requirement that you go through a training course and apply for and get a license to own a gun. Like you have a license to drive a car. You have to have a license to purchase a gun, a FOID card, firearm owner ID card. Uh, and by the way, the uh, law in Oregon, the one that's extraordinarily restrictive, that has that is still on hold pending the outcome of legislation. So we'll see our outcome of the uh, the appeals. So we'll see what happens with that. 437-1620, 437-1620. Since we're in the gun vicinity anyway, interesting note, The um, remember how New York had this gun law on the books for a long time that was very restrictive about who could carry guns and pistols and they sued and the Supreme Court struck it down and said, no, that is an unreasonable restriction on people's right to keep and bear arms and you have to have a uh, a more permissive scheme than the one you had. And they came back with the scheme that basically said, well, you have to show um, all of your social media and, you, you know, like there was all of this crazy stuff that was put in place that was far more restrictive even than it had been before. You had to prove good moral character. You had to give, you know, contact names for families and, you know, all kinds of bans on where the guns could be, churches, parks, private property, unless the property owner agrees to allow guns. I mean, all this kind of stuff. And everybody looked at that and realized that that was pure petulance on the behalf of the, uh, on the part of the New York State Assembly, that they were deliberately passing a law that was as bad or worse than the original law, but it was different than the one who, that had been struck down. And so they were trying to be anti-gun in a whole new way. And that got put on stay, right, appropriately, and then got appealed to the Supreme Court uh, for, you know, to temporarily resolve the issue of whether it should temporarily be in place or not. And Justice Samuel Alito actually allowed that law to be put back in place yesterday, which was very surprising, if you ask me, that, that they did that. But, um, you know, that certainly doesn't mean that the law is good. The judiciating over the temporary status of these laws is a very different question. Uh, I mean, it's connected, but it's often a very different question from the end question of whether the law itself is constitutional. So that's kind of a weird development in the realm of gun rights. 521 here on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. I'll second guest dinners with friends because they can be interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon, pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes 
sometimes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions. Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring or thickening of your bowel wall. If you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful swollen joints. Call your doctor if you have any unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions. Take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon. Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit creoninfo.com or call 800-633-9110 to learn more. That's C-R-E-O-N-Info.com. I'm Claire Stewart with the University of West Florida. Join us this week on the Pensacola Expert Panel as we share about the Leisure Learning Program at UWF. Tune in to learn more about class offerings, registration dates, and how you can get involved with the program on campus. That's today at 9 a.m. on the Pensacola Expert Panel on News Radio 92.3. You know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to What Your Money Would Say with Andrew McNair of Swan Capital Saturdays at 1 to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do all the things you've dreamt about doing in retirement. Don't miss What Your Money Would Say with Andrew McNair Saturdays at 1. Firm offers insurance services, advisory services offered through Swan Capital LLC. News Radio 92.3, Andrew McKay, Jenna Barr, Brian Kilmeade, Dave Ramsey, Bobby Rossi, and Lars Larson. Informative, local, dependable. There can be only one. In, keep the wreath during campaign with fire. We ended with 16 red bulbs, unfortunately. You know, we want them all to be green, but uh, we did wind up with 16. A majority, you know, was from cooking mishaps to heating source mishaps, and quite a few of them were electrical, just straight out electrical. Uh, so, uh, but we did unfortunately wind up with 16 bulbs, and we want to try to get that number down even more next year. But uh, you know, but the, but I think the good the good news to report there, Eric, so far as I understand it, we not we didn't lose any any human beings, no lives lost. That no, that's true, and that's a good note. Obviously, that is a better note than the alternative. Some animals were lost in the process, but 16 is not good. That is not a good year, uh, and it you know. I think that the Keep the Wreath Green campaign, um, just a couple of quick thoughts. One is I, I'm not sure how useful that is in terms of actually changing whether people have house. You know, like, is there a person out there who has eight electrical wires going into a plug, you know, is playing Clark Griswold in their home electrical system and uses the space heater and all the different, you know, things that can be dangerous Um is that person sort of one day wakes up and says, keep the wreath green, maybe I ought to reform us. You know, like, I, I don't know how effective it is at making people change their behavior. I'm not, I'm not convinced that it does that. I am a believer in the general idea that if you are paying attention to a thing, the fact that you're paying attention to a thing raises people's awareness. I'm just not sure how much it translates. But also, it tends to, I think unfairly, and definitely unfairly, make it seem like somehow Escambia Fire Rescue is to blame when there's a lot of fires. And that's just 
not right. You know, like that's not their fault that there were a bunch or even a few fires in any given year. It's the fact of people's behavior and what they do, particularly when they're poor, because you know, you have a much higher percentage of structure fires in poor and older neighborhoods than you have anywhere else. So anyway, I just, you know, my, my general concerns about that keep the wreath green program and how effective it really is. 626, here on News Radio 923. David Wayne is in the newsroom with our headlines. David. President Biden's lawyers have now found a second batch of classified documents from his time as vice president. This comes after the White House acknowledged yesterday or Monday that uh, lawyers did find a small number of classified documents. Uh, a nurse's strike in New York City has now ended. Nurses at those two hospitals have reached an agreement. So 7,000 nurses there going back to work today. And Microsoft's latest text-to-speech artificial intelligence mm. apparently can replicate a person's voice with just a three-second audio clip. Uh, and this is all the way down to their emotional tone and everything. Uh, there's Man, some the, there's the, the, all of the deep fake applications for all this. Yes, stuff are that's horrifying. the big concern. Yes. That's the big concern. So Microsoft is saying they're not going to make the code open source because of that reason. Well, that'll save us all for a good four months. Yeah. Until, How am I until supposed to make leaked. good prank phone calls? Oh, my God. This is and the, you let's know, call the, Mary and Dave, the AI that can write a paper for <laughs> you Kevin or King. that can write a, you know, write a speech for you and do it at the level of education that you want. I'm sure we're not far from being able to, you know, they're going to read all of the stuff that I've written and then it's going to be able to write at my level or it's going to listen to an hour of the radio show and be able to replicate content and spe- I mean, it's. This is insane stuff. It's terrible stuff. David, thanks so much for the update. Yeah, the uh, uh, so President Trump has documents at Mar-a-Lago. They raid his home, right? And President Biden says... How that could possibly happen. How anyone could be that irresponsible. How can anybody be that irresponsible? Then, just before the November election, they discover a whole bunch of... Doc- well, not a bunch, but I mean, you know... Non-zero number, okay? It's a small number compared to what Trump had, apparently, but we don't really know a lot of details. In uh, former office space that the vice president used, or the the president used after he was vice president, and uh, that got held until recently. That wasn't disclosed before the election, interestingly. And then the, the, the president says, look, you know, everybody knows I take classified documents seriously. I don't know what the big deal is. And now we have a second. And I said this, don't be snarky on one. You know, don't be that reactionary, contemptuous, well, when are they going to raid the White House kind of Republican? Well, now we've got a second document storage problem with more classified documents, again, about which the details we don't really know, except that the Biden administration claims that they're, you know, cooperating, which is good. Okay, that's good. But um, all I could think when I heard this news after the second batch of mishandled classified document and of course you know republicans are calling for a special prosecutor if it's justified to have a special prosecutor for trump then the only way to avoid the appearance of impropriety by the justice department is to assign a special prosecutor for this as well and i agree with that you can't treat the one differently than you treat the other unless you want to embrace the criticism that americans will say you are being biased in favor of the current administration over the former administration but when the second one came out there was only one scene in one movie that I could imagine. Andre, you've lost another submarine. <laughs> you know, oh, it's the uh, the Secretary of State looking at the Russian ambassador in Hunt for Red October and like, another one. <laughs> so, and listen, if there are two, what are the chances there might be more than two? Right? I mean, that's... That's not an, uh, there might only be two, 
There might be six. We don't know. But would it be surprising, given that there are two, that there would be four? And the answer is no, of course not. So on the one hand, the president says, you know, he's been good at handling documents. On the other hand, oh, and by the way, just a small side note is, you know, one of the criticisms that I and many others have leveled against the, the president is that he is not and for quite some time has not been as mentally acute as he once was, which, of course, if you believe that, then you can't simultaneously be all that surprised when he claims he doesn't know anything about this because he may not. And by the way, in order to be prosecuted, typically under these laws, there has to be some kind of intent. You know, there has to be some kind of willingness, reluctance to turn over that kind of stuff. So we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, two is two is not good. What do you have coming up, David? Dr. Charles Stamatolis arrested again. We'll tell you about it after Fox. Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. Classified documents are found in a second location. President Biden used as a workspace as the former vice president. His legal team's been looking since the initial discovery in November. For his part, the 46th president praised his lawyers, adding they did the right thing by immediately turning the documents over to the National Archives. Then he claimed he was surprised to learn that there were any government records that were taken there to that office. Fox's Kevin Cork. There's a new Russian military commander in Ukraine. Russia's had to retreat from Kherson and made little progress elsewhere. So the invasion is now in the hands of General Valery Gerasimov, the chief of the general staff of the Russian armed forces. Russia says the move is to help improve how effectively its forces are managed. Fox's Jonathan Savage. There's a tentative deal to end a nurse's strike at two New York City hospitals. More than 7,000 nurses walked off the job over working conditions. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning. It's 5:31. News Radio 92.3 right now. 68 degrees, partly cloudy in Pensacola. The dentist already convicted of inappropriately touching an employee and also facing other similar charges uh, is now back in jail. We get more from Joe Ford. Yeah, this time for allegedly violating the conditions of his release. According to Channel 3, Charles Stamatolis was jailed yesterday after he traveled to Mobile back on January 2nd. According to his pre-trial release agreement, Stamatolis is not allowed to leave Escambia, Santa Rosa, or Okaloosa counties except to visit attorneys in Tallahassee with 48 hours notice. Stamatolis' attorney says that he had an urgent situation and that Stamatolis went to the pre-trial release office to get permission, but the office was closed. Joe Ford, News Radio 92.3. Well, it went better than a lot of other places. That's the word from the Pensacola International Airport in the aftermath of that big nationwide ground stop for airplanes yesterday. Luckily, this is not a real busy travel day for us. So luckily, this didn't happen in the midst of spring break or Christmas travel. So um, that that was a good thing that we didn't have uh, such a high number of passengers and flights to deal with. Assistant Airport Director Erica Grancanolo there, and she says the operation staff at the airport was aware of that system outage early in the morning. Airlines, she says, were quick to react. Cancellations and delays continued through the afternoon as airlines were working to catch up. Scambia County leaders now putting resources together in order to get the most accurate count of the homeless population in our area here in the next few weeks. We're going to have uh, care pa- care bags or care packages, if you will, put together that will have socks, flashlights, different things that seem to be popular with the homeless. During Wednesday morning's coffee with the commissioner, Jeff Bergash, uh, County Administrator Wes Moreno said they're also planning on having some food distribution events as well as providing bus tickets to area shelters for uh, 
a point in time count one night this month, the count used by communities to accurately gauge the homeless population in the area. A couple new police officers on the job over in Flomaton. The two new officers were sworn in yesterday. Officer Clay Smith hired as a traffic officer and investigator Ashley Wood being assigned as a, a criminal investigations officer in Flomaton. The police department there says they're also still looking for more non-sworn applicants that want to attend their police academy in May. 534 News Radio 92.3. Starting the day off a bit warmer with temperatures warming up this afternoon into the mid-70s. 80% chance of showers and thunderstorms. We are going to be dealing with storms in the afternoon and evening with a few storms could be strong. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping into the 40s as the cold front moves through. As you go into Friday, high near 55 degrees with plenty of sunshine. Temperatures Friday night dropping near 36 degrees. Stay connected to the Channel 3 News First Morning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson for the First Morning Weather Center. Thank you, Brooke. Right now, clear skies. It's 68 in Pensacola. 68 in Gulf Breeze, 65 in Milton. Our next news at 6 o'clock. Breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 923. News Radio 923. Now it's time to play Which Host Did This? Andrew McKay, Jenna Barr, or Bobby Rossi? This host was on the prices right. Who could it be? Who is it? The correct answer is Andrew McKay. Get to know our local hosts by listening to News Radio 92.3. 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Parents usually know if their children will argue over their inheritance, but this can be prevented. I'm Wesley Odom with Armada Advisors. No one wants to see their wealth wasted away because of poor planning. I've assisted several clients with estate planning ideas and sometimes have served as trustee or executor upon their death. Give me a call at 497-6167. Armada Advisors is charting a better course. You love your car or truck, right? We love it too. This is Mike Ryan at Mike Ryan's Truck and Auto Accessories. For a cooler summer and protections from harmful UV rays, we'll tint the windows. For safety and security, we have alarms, backup cameras, and dash cams. And for the most beautiful vehicle on the block, our full detailing service will make it look brand new. We have so many custom accessories, it's impossible to list them all here. So come see us at Mike Ryan's Truck and Auto Accessories on Industrial Boulevard at W Street, just north of Marcus Point Baptist Church. Here are the News Radio 923 AM 1620 contest rules. You can win one prize per household per contest in any 30 day period, unless specified by individual contest rules. All prizes on News Radio 923 AM 1620 are non transferable, non redeemable for cash, or exchangeable for any other prize. News Radio 923 AM 1620 prizes must be redeemed within a 30 day period of winning. For a complete list of rules, visit NewsRadio923.com. When you listen to News Radio 92.3 on Sundays, you get Christian Outlook at 7, Ask the Preacher at 8, Town Hall Review, Fox News Sundays, The Weekend, Tech It Out, and Gun Talk at 8. here on News Radio 92.3. Back to normal temperatures today. It's like 66 now. It's going to be 75 to 78 later on today. So what I would think of as normal for January for Pensacola, but it's going to be cold tomorrow. So 
be prepared for that. Yesterday, we had a chance to talk to uh, D.C. Reeves, uh, of course, the mayor of Pensacola. Mr. Mayor, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Okay, so uh, before we get to the, the – well, I guess we'll start with that. The carry-forward stuff um, is – you said, and I appreciate this, that you've already talked with city council about a lot of these items, and you know, you put things on there that they're – basically on board with, including some of the beef-ups for City of Pensacola, a couple of more officers for the CRA, which is great, um, a new tactical vehicle for SWAT team, perimeter fencing at PPD, all things that seem pretty basic. The one, and, and necessary, surprising we don't have, I was interested in the one you said to upgrade and beef up our body cameras. Um, what's that? Because I yeah. thought we already were on our second generation and they were pretty good. Yeah, so um, it's really a holistic approach of technology. It's about a five-year investment. So, you know, uh, you'll see a small portion of Carry Forward for this year's, but, you know, it's something that, we, that we're that we obligating ourselves to fund. Um, but I actually went through the um, the demo myself, uh, which it's, it involves uh, body cameras, cameras in the vehicles, um, the uh, tasers uh, that uh, officers will carry, um, and it's a incredibly – enormous upgrade to what we have right now and a lot of it um what is being carried or you know the quality of the picture let's say on uh the camera it's how much time the officer spends when they get back to the hq and, and that they have to download or they have to uh, upload and all of the just logistical time that we're spending just countless hours oh, um, where, okay. where that, that would be remediated and and as well as i mean i'll just give you an example this technology that goes in the car, it will be able to drive down. One of our squad cars will be able to drive down the street and scan even perpendicular every license plate as it just goes. So if it just it can ping somebody a stolen vehicle or whatever, they don't have to just type it in and you know at random when they're sitting at a stoplight. Like that's the kind of difference in technology that, that you know these kinds of things are providing. There's several others, um, so it, that's why it's expensive, but. Um, you know, as I sat through, you know, with Chief Randall and and with our city administrator, um, you know, had, had a meeting with Axum for about an hour and a half uh, just to learn all the different technology. Um, so I'm very, very excited to get this uh, into the hands of um, into the hands of our officers. One other quick example that's really impressive to me is that this would allow that once an officer had um, had pulled uh, their firearm from their holster, all the cameras on every vehicle and every body cam within. X hundred yards, um, all activate immediately. So even if you're around the corner, your your camera in your car activates based on someone pulling the, their gun. So you see, I mean, it's just a whole new, you know, uh, really welcome to the 21st century in uh, policing. And, and, and it'll not only keep our officers safe and keep our citizens safe, but certainly will even gain us some time in terms of having our officers on the street, not sitting at a desk uh, inside HQ trying to upload video okay so this is a this is a, there's two parts to this in my mind the way i'm hearing it number one is it expands capabilities that we do not currently have uh, and gives us the opportunities Correct. that we do not currently have but it also is primarily an hr tool because it's going to take officer time that's currently being wasted on processing these things and uh, put that into an automation system so that you can have more man hours actually on the street doing what they're supposed to be doing instead of with the which all of that makes sense to me that's that's very interesting Interesting. I know the um, yeah. the chief has been big on um, shot spotter that Mobile has. Is that something that you're still yeah. thinking about? You're going to implement? Where are you on that? Yeah, absolutely. We've had conversations um, both uh, with the sheriff's department and um, Representative Andrade has uh, 
has been a partner with us on this that we uh, potentially would be making a legislative ask um, from our area. And the reason uh, we have the sheriff's office involved is, uh, as as Chip has probably discussed with you, there's been discussions of a real-time crime center. And a, a, a very nice complement to a real-time crime center would be having shot spotter technology as well. You don't have to have both. Uh, having shot spotter at PPD, even without a real-time crime center, I mean, it would allow that if a, a, a shot rang out within the area of these cameras, then, you know, everybody on duty would get a text or get a, you know, get notified. Obviously, that would be a huge upgrade for us, uh, but it would, we could enhance the value of it even more holistically if the sheriff had a real-time crime center and we had shot spotter where we had people watching on screens 24 hours a day. So, um, so anyway, yes, we are continuing to move forward with that with the help of the representative uh, and, uh, you know, alongside the sheriff's department as well. A couple of things that are going to be on next week's agenda for city council that are um, second readings, one of which is to add Juneteenth to the holiday list, uh, which I was surprised that wasn't already. I guess I had thought that we had already done that last year. The other is the smoking ban, vaping ban in city parks, which now we've seen, you know, Okaloosa County. Uh, there's been a proposal, not, not yet initiated, but it's going to be in the city of Milton that they're going to look at doing that. Um, any particular changes to the smoking one? before that gets added because it kind of it's it's your item but it's also you know i don't know you, you'd mentioned before there might be some tweaks or changes anything substantial there no i, I think there might be a little bit of language clarification language change that you know with, with certain exceptions um but uh, no nothing nothing con- you know, okay. nothing foundationally different than what we had before and one of the things that you mentioned yesterday in your press conference was working on a congestion study and i just want to i want to give yeah. credit for a couple of things uh, one is i love this idea it makes perfect sense to me to make it so that you can figure out when you do or don't need to change the traffic facilities because you're building new uh, residences for example and putting new cars in but i love that and the other thing and i thought this was this goes back a, a, a little bit to your interview that you did when i was gone um, you were talking about interacting with Triumph, and I, 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 what I caught from that interview was what seemed to me like a tone shift, where my perception has been that we treat Triumph as a kind of an adversarial relationship, like we're they're the gatekeepers and we're trying to pry money out of their greedy hands or something, and it sounded to me like you more said you know what, let's find out what they want to give us money for, and let's see if we can do that, and then if it works, they'll give us more. Am I reading you right? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and that was before we moved forward with what was already on the books prior to, to uh, me taking over is what I, that, the number one question I wanted to know was, you know, is it all or nothing? You know, do we have to make a $153 million ask at the right. court with a lot of moving parts and a lot of things, or, or will – we are in a situation where we'd be punished for asking for less and then saying, Oh, well, sorry, well, you've already gotten that, um, you know, come back in five years, then we'll ask for the whole thing. But, but it's actually the opposite. It's, uh, I take agency right here in our community. Perfect example. They've been funded twice on the same project because triumph likes to see progress. They like to say, well, great, this, this X million dollars went for good and look where it got us. So We'll happily fund, you know, phase two. And so once I knew that, then that gave us really clear direction on which way we want to go. And, and specifically with the port, uh, with the American Magic Center for Maritime Excellence, we're going to do that first. We're going to flip flop uh, what was mentioned previously, and let's get that across the finish line. We're, you know, we're more ready for that one. Um, 
We know we've got some, a lot of good support in our community uh, on the board for that. And, um, you know, let's get that going. And we can always come back on more of the industrial ask. Right. No, I, I again, I, I thought that it sounded like all upside to me. One of the things we've been talking about this week, maybe a little bit last week as well, is the Pelican drop, the New Year's Eve celebration. I talked about it with David Forte last week when he was in for you. Describe for me your level of optimism that Pelican Drop will happen or not, and if so, how will it be funded? Yeah, I'm. I'm still com- you know, coming back from out of town. I have not had any uh, specific conversation since uh, New okay. Year's about that. What 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 I always say is, look, well, you know, I've been saying for months and years, you know, I'm a place making economic development kind of person. So any opportunity that we have that brings people to our community. Um, and and makes this a great place to live is something that I'm always open and attentive to. And I just my general um, stance in anything like that is to be open minded about getting it done. Now, as you said, there's also data to consider. You know, what what are the expenses? Who's going to operate it? Um, how does it affect other things? Well, that's the analysis that we'll do. But you know, I I always start in situations like this from a stance of yes or how can we and. Uh, and, you know, but we've got to make sure that it makes sense for us. So, um, you know, I've heard the county commission is, is excited about this idea. And certainly I'm open minded um, to seeing, you know, what the city's role would be and, uh, and at least taking a good hard look at it. Very good. And I do have a question. It's a re- it's a relatively small item on the agenda for next week, but it's a sixty thousand dollars for paving the first city arts center parking lot. And I, I, mean, yeah. I, I don't exactly have a question for you on this. I just want to kind of raise a thought, which is. I'm very torn on LOST funds because to me, the sales pitch on LOST is you'll get extra stuff that you need or will value that you weren't going to be able to produce otherwise. And so whenever I see like a road that's paved and it says, hey, this project was paid for by LOST funds, I was saying, that road was going to be paved anyway. It should have been paved anyway. That's not extra bonus, super cool gifts. That's the same stuff government should already be doing. So when I see LOST being spent on a parking lot, that's kind of my feel about it. Not that it's a bad project, not that it's a misuse, just that it's supposed to be extra stuff. Can you maybe, I don't know, comment? Yeah, sure. So, well, first of all, that that item is going to be pulled from this uh, agenda. Oh, okay. um, What I'd say to that is neither right nor wrong. Um, you know, that specific issue was something uh, negotiated in the previous administration okay. uh, in terms of uh, with First City Arts Center. So um, we're we're going to, you know, get our feet under us uh, with and, and, you know, no blame to the previous administration or anything like that. But as you can imagine, in a transition, you know, uh, before we have things that are you know kind of negotiated outside of what the, the normal agreement was. Uh, I like to have a really good understanding of it uh, sure. before something that we propose. So Appreciate that'll be off that. the good. agenda. And, uh, but to your question, understand, LST, we're limited on what we can do with it as right. well. Um, and so, but I hear you. I mean, it's, it, you know, the, the idea of LST is to bring things that wouldn't normally be there. Um, but, uh, you know, park maintenance is something that if we use LST to build it, we can maintain it with LST. Right. I mean, I think that that is still bringing an amenity even when you're maintaining as well. Okay. And I just, it wasn't that I needed you to, you know, tell me your grand philosophy of using LOST money or something. I just wanted to kind of raise that as sure, a, sure, as a perspective. It. And I know a lot of people have that same kind of, that's not really what we were told, <laughs> you know, LST is for. All right. Last uh-huh. thing that um, I want to uh, do with you is always try to do a lightning round with you. Um, since okay. we've got this announcement from the Biden administration, they might be getting rid of or trying to get rid of gas stoves and the impact on Pensacola energy. We'll get into that in the future, but quick question for you, DC Reeves, gas or electric stove for you 
Oh, gas stove. Oh, no wow. Right. All right. Now, not just being a company man. Yeah. <laughs> you got to support the local, but also the useful. Uh, is your desk clean or cluttered? Oh, I don't want to admit that. Uh, the um, uh, uh, On a scale of one to ten, I'll go six and a half cluttered. Okay. Um, All but, right. Um, uh, I just got back from the break, so it could get worse. But in a month, is it still going to be a six and a half? Uh, maybe a 6.6 6 or 7. <laughs> last, trending the wrong way. Last one is in your house when nobody's watching it. Is the TV on or not on? Ooh, I, I would say not on. I'm, we're pretty good about that. All right. You know, so Lights and maybe not as good. TV, we're good. So it's a device on. for use. I got you. Very good. Uh, DC Reeves, yeah. uh, we're looking for the transition team presentation today and city council meeting next week. As always, sir, thanks for the time, and we'll talk to you again next Wednesday. All right. Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And by the way, the transition team meeting, super boring. <laughs> there was nothing. No, no. The report is out. And so here's here's how my brain works. OK, I'm a, I'm a radio guy, so I can read the thing and I can talk about the thing. But I would always rather listen to people present the information because then I can cut the audio clip and I can play it for you. And then it's a much more interesting show because it's not just me talking all the time. And so I was thinking that at the very least, what they would do yesterday is each person would present or each team, because actually teams of two in each of these focus areas, each team would present its three recommendations and at least say them out loud. And so, you know, like Tommy Leiter would say, I think we should have red light cameras. Well, they didn't do that. All they did was sat there for a half hour and tell everybody how happy they were to have been on the team. <laughs> it was a, hey, yay, it was a hug fest. That's oh, all it was. Well, that's good. Which, is yeah. a, which, which uh, you know, look, is a fine thing. And I understand that if your information is being put into the report, then you want the report to contain the best version of the presentation of that information rather than some, you know, minute-long summary of the four or five pages you wrote. For. So, I mean, I get it. I get it. But just my thought after listening to the meeting was like, no, now I really do have to read the report. <laughs> Which I guess I should anyway. Fine. Whatever. Thanks a lot, Lucky. Uh, like Tim Kinsel is the uh, the chair. Of the, and he did a great job, by the way. Um, there were funny moments, but I'll share that with you later. The uh, other thing I just wanted to mention because it came up in that interview was the whole gas stove thing. You know, the Biden administration is now like, whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't do nothing. <laughs> They like have completely oh, they have completely reversed on this because it caught everybody so off guard that um you know they're now saying there there's there's no such thing as we're not getting rid of stoves that are gas. We we would never even say such a thing. What are you talking about? So uh Alexander Honsarik. I kinda like that name. H O E H N dash S A R I C. Alexander Honsarik. The Sounds chair. like he'd be in Die Hard. Yeah, or he's like starring opposite Alexander Sarsgaard in <laughs> right. you know some Sarsgaard. next. The chair of the Consumer Product Safety Commission, the CPSC, said yesterday that the agency would not be banning gas stoves, and uh, he says I'm not looking to ban gas stoves, and the Consumer Product Safety Com- Commission uh, is not trying to do that whatsoever. And even Michael Kikua, a White House spokesman who I've never heard of before, the president uh, said does not support banning gas stoves. So. Either all the news agencies were wrong in reporting it over eagerly, or they were like the actual agencies, like, oh, what have we done? <laughs> so there you go. This is at 553. I'm Andrew McKay. 
Join Career Source Ascarosa on the Pensacola Expert Panel today at 10. Andrew, Michelle, and guests will be here to talk about their upcoming career fair January 26th at the fairgrounds. They're looking for companies who need to fill positions and they will be taking your calls and answering questions. That's today at 10 with Career Source Ascarosa on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 923 AM 1620. Mom, can I have some ice cream? I've got a better idea. Who wants to help me make something fun and healthy instead? Me! me. Eating smarter is easy and delicious. Interested in receiving healthy recipes and a whole lot more in your email? Then register at healthiestweightfl.com and learn more about all the small steps that you can take on the way to living healthy. This message is sponsored by the Ounce of Prevention Fund of Florida, the Florida Department of Health, the Florida Association of Broadcasters, and this radio station. Here's what's happening around Pensacola this week. Friday night, all 20s gangsters, mobsters, politicians, and malls will gather at the bootleg ball at the Museum of Commerce. Wear your 20s attire for the fundraising benefiting the University of West Florida Historic Trust. Visit Pensacola.com for more. Dress up or dress down and join the Pensacola Symphony for the annual Beethoven and Blue Jeans performance Saturday night at the Sanger Theater. Get ticket info at PensacolaSymphony.com. Listen to News Radio on air at 92.3 FM, 95.3 FM, AM 1620, and online at newsradio923.com. Download our mobile app or listen through Alexa. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Good morning, 555 News Radio 923. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola Morning News. David Wayne is in the newsroom this morning with our headlines. David. Senator Ted Cruz calling on lawmakers to reform the FAA after yesterday's outage that caused flights to be grounded. Uh, the Republican criticized the agency for its inability to keep an important safety system up and running. The death toll in California now up to 19 from those severe storms they've been having. Officials say that toll rose after a person was found in a car that was submerged in over eight feet of water. As of last night, uh, almost all areas along the Salinas River in Monterey County and parts of the Carmel Valley under evacuation orders. And the rock world today paying tribute to guitarist Jeff Beck, who passed away at 78 after contracting bacterial meningitis. Uh, rock royalty are sending their condolences to his family, including Rod Stewart, who called Beck the greatest, and Mick Jagger, who called him one of the greatest guitar players in the world. Yeah, and uh, he was what Yardbirds with um, uh, Eric, Robert Plant, uh, right? Yeah, Before, I so yeah, I mean, just Jimmy so Dave. like, yeah, <laughs> very talented. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I was saying this, and I, you know, I don't mind admitting it. Uh, Jeff Beck is not a, a name whose musician I, or a musician whose name or music I particularly like. That's not my guy that I know. But based on all of the people who I think are amazing, who are saying, "No, that guy's amazing." Yeah, my like, husband okay, was beside right. himself when he found that out. We've just been, we've it was on all night Watching until all yeah. Cox had an outage. About Thank God. No, just kidding. Save yeah, him it's from, like, okay, Jeff Beck. But no, that's that, sad. Yeah, he's it, a guitarist, guitarist for sure. Absolutely. Five fifty-six, David. Thanks so much for the update. Five fifty-six on News Radio ninety-two-three. Yeah, we heard more about the FAA um, corrupted data file. 
that interfered with the notice to air mission warning system. Epic air travel gridlock slowly unsnarling with flights gradually resuming after a computer outage at the Federal Aviation Administration forced it to halt all domestic departures nationwide. The FAA now says its preliminary work shows a damaged database file is to blame, adding at this time there is no evidence of a cyber attack. I've directed FAA to figure out exactly how this happened. Oh, well, if Pete Buttigieg is on it, fantastic. Everything's solved. (laughs) He is so in over his head. He has no business running this uh, Department of Transportation. Um, Of course, remember, we also had the uh, the Southwest snafu over the holidays. Do you remember? It wasn't that long ago. So uh, that's 0 for 2, Pete. Mayor Pete, 0 for 2. Uh, 5.57 on... And I understand Pete Buttigieg himself does not run or make these things, but, you know, at a certain point when enough happens, right, you kind of ask yourself the question, do we have the right person for the job? 437-1620, Oh, this is just kind of an interesting case. I did not listen to the oral argument here, and I typically like to always listen to him before I would talk about something, but I don't know if I have a time to get to this one with all the other stuff that's going on. But the Supreme Court heard oral arguments Tuesday on a case dealing with damages to business property during a union strike. The case is Glacier Northwest versus International Brotherhood of Teamsters. And the basic idea here is that during the strike against the construction materials firm, um, they were suing the union, or they are suing the union now because they sell and deliver ready-mix concrete. Well, there were a bunch of um, cement mixers. At the time the strike was called, the cement mixers had cement. And so because of the strike, they didn't stop spinning the cement mixers, but because they couldn't deliver them anywhere, they eventually had to basically throw out. It wasn't usable at a certain point. They had to throw out all of the cement. And so the lawsuit was over the lost value of the cement as a damage incident to the union strike. And so the question is going to be, to what degree can unions activity damage or through their failure to maintain equipment damage things that are owned by the company against whom they're striking. It's a very interesting case. I said, uh, you know, the this we're not talking about like the direct harm where, you know, people um, sabotage equipment and that kind of stuff. Uh, this is a much more indirect behavior, but it's going to be an interesting case to see how it turns out. Listen on air at 92.3, 95.3 and AM 1620. News Radio 92.3. WNRP Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola. He was pleading his case to get back to work. Contractor Jesse Lacoste at the Escambia County Contractor Competency Board meeting yesterday. We'll tell you what happened after this. President Biden under even more scrutiny. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. As a second batch of classified documents are found, even as fellow Democrats want answers, Senator Mark Warner tells Fox. We ought to be briefed uh, in terms of from an intelligence assessment, what were in these documents that then-Vice President Biden had. Sources tell Fox News that aides to the president actually discovered at least another batch of classified documents. The latest discovery comes after it was revealed on Monday that aides found other classified documents at a private office at the Biden Penn Center here in Washington, D.C. Fox's Kevin Cork, some Republicans want a special counsel to investigate. Like was appointed to probe the classified materials the FBI seized from former President Trump's Florida resort. GOP 
GOP Congressman Mike Turner tells Fox. It just really does underscore the, the concerns that we have of the abuse of power, of the raid on Mar Largo. The manner in which these two issues are, are handled is, um, is, that contrast is very troubling. There are more than 500 flight delays this morning. Maybe a ripple effect from the FAA outage yesterday that grounded planes for hours, delaying more than 10,000 flights. After a malfunction of their notice-to-air mission system, this is what alerts pilots of hazards and safety issues. In a tweet Wednesday night, the FAA said they'd preliminarily trace the issue to a damaged database file. Fox's Jessica Rosenthal, Russia's replaced its lead general in the Ukraine invasion after Russia lost some ground in recent months in the Ukrainian counteroffenses. U.S. insists a price cap imposed on Russian oil Oil is hurting its economy, and more of that is coming. In meetings across Europe this week, U.S. Treasury officials are thrashing out the details of the next set of sanctions due to come into effect next month. They'll include price limits on more products of the Russian oil industry. Some experts think this will have a double impact, damaging the Russian economy and increasing the global cost of oil. Fox's Jonathan Savage. Next hour, we're going to get an update on inflation expected to show it continues to get a bit tamer with a slower year-over-year increase last month. America's listening to Fox News. Some people got COVID and thought, well, that wasn't such a big deal. But you can get COVID again, and next time it could be worse, especially for those 50 and older or with a chronic condition like heart disease or diabetes. But with an updated vaccine, you have better protection from COVID's worst outcomes. And that's a big deal. Find updated COVID vaccines near you at vaccines.gov. We can do this. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Democrats predicted an end to high inflation, but nothing has changed. In fact, food and housing prices are still going higher. Hi, this is Stephen K. Bannon, and I urge you to protect your savings from inflation by diversifying into a physical gold IRA from Birch Gold Group. To see how it works, simply text the word SHELTER to 989898, and you'll get a free info kit on gold IRAs that will explain everything. Again, that's SHELTER to 989898. There's no obligation or purchase required. Congressman George Santos says he's not leaving Washington. The Republican insisting he will not resign as some demand after he deceived voters, lying numerous times about his past during the campaign. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says... I try to stick by the Constitution. The voters elected him to serve. If there is a concern and he has to go through the ethics, we'll let him move through that. Well, two Democrats have already called for the House Ethics Committee to investigate Santos. Back in New York, the calls for the congressman to resign grow louder from his fellow Republicans. He's disgraced the House of Representatives and we do not consider him one of our Congress people. That is the Nassau County Republican Party Chairman Joseph Cairo. Also in New York, a former elections commissioner, a Republican, pleads guilty to ballot fraud dating back to 2020. Jason Schofield was a Rensselaer County Board of Elections member up until last month when he resigned. He admitted to using the names of 12 voters to apply for absentee ballots, acting as each of the voters to get the document. Schofield appeared before a judge last September saying he was innocent of the charges. Now that his plea has changed, Schofield is set to be arraigned May 12th. He could be sentenced to five years behind bars, a fine of up to a quarter million dollars, and supervised probation. Grinnell Scott, Fox News. DeMar Hamlin got to sleep in his own bed last night, and the Buffalo Bill released from the hospital. Following the cardiac arrest he suffered on the field during a game against the Cincinnati Bengals on January the 2nd. Hamlin spent last week in the hospital in Cincinnati before being sent back to Buffalo. Bills coach Sean McDermott indicating that it will be up to Hamlin when to visit the team, saying his health comes first and that, quote, we'll welcome him back 
as he feels ready. Hamlin tweeting Tuesday asking people to, quote, keep me in y'all prayers, please. Kevin Uretsky, Fox News. The Bills play Miami in the playoffs this weekend. I'm Dave Anthony. This is Fox News. Good morning. It's 6.05. News Radio 92.3 right now. Clear skies. It is 68 in Pensacola. Starting out, let's get a look at our traffic on the fives. Hey, uh, good news is we're not showing a whole lot. There was an accident at the Welcome Center, and that's eastbound I-10 as you're coming into Florida, but uh, it's not a roadblock. If you have traffic tips, text 437-1620. News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Thank you very much, Candy, for that update. Despite having outstanding restitution and fines that have yet to be paid and more complaints from local homeowners, contractor Jesse Lacoste wants to get back to work. He says in order to do that, he needs the privilege to pull permits restored 